Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Up All Night, a horror anthology podcast. My name is Cortland, and with me today is the guy that's always committing insurance fraud. It's Brandon. How you doing, Brandon? Cortland, I told you not to tell. I know you did. and Fraud I, I doesn't work if you just go out there blurting it to the tens of people who listen to this. I couldn't help myself, Brandon. <laughs> I couldn't help it. I Look, somebody's got to put you away for good, Brandon. <laughs> yeah, other than my <laughs> impending prison sentence, I'm doing pretty okay. Nice. So did you do anything awesome this week, Brandon? No, I played video games and I... Went to sleep. I seen you, you little sneaky goose. You were playing Boulder's Gate three. Don't tell. I'm just, look. <laughs> there is no the secrets in this podcast, Brandon. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. That's what I've been doing. That's okay. That sounds. That sounds good. You know, nerdy, nerdy Dungeons and Dragons stuff. Oh my God, you are a nerd. You're a trifling old bitch and a nerd. <laughs> Uh, so, Brandon, what I have to know, what class did you start as? Because I know what I would start as. Oh, I'm out there being a ranger. A ranger? I knew it, Brandon. Do you, and I'm sure you can guess what I would be, yes? So predictable. Oh, yeah, Cortland, you would totally be a, uh, a warrior for sure. I would not. You know I'd be a bard. <laughs> God damn you, Brandon. I know. God. Of course. You're out there playing songs and boosting everybody up. That's your... That's your aesthetic. Do you want to know what I can't do in life, in real life, though, Brandon? I can't play a single instrument, so I don't know what the hell I'm over well, here trying to be a bard for. It's like role playing. You're <laughs> you're trying to escape the drudgery of your non musical life. I could learn how to play a musical instrument, but I just don't do it. <laughs> yeah, if you didn't learn a musical instrument during like the COVID lockdowns, then it's just never going to happen. No, instead, I watched The Office and. Avatar The Last Airbender and some other shows, too. So well, most people would say that that's a better use of your time. Yeah. See, the thing is, like, I've always wanted to get a nice piano, you know, I just don't that's have any classy. room for it. I know. I know right? Like, look, here's the thing. How fucking dope would it be to just sit there and be like, I want to listen to this. And then you just play it like I'd be sitting there jamming on old video game music being like, I'm entertaining myself, everybody. It'd be so cool. I'd yeah, be awesome. And you get to show off. You like entertain right. yourself, but also show everybody how cool you are. It's a win, win, win. Unless you, you know, upset somebody and they kill you. But I, I can, what's, what are the chances of that happening? It's not likely. There's not many people in your household. That's, see, that's why I podcast is because like, <laughs> I'm probably not going to die from podcasting. It's a pretty safe hobby. Yeah. Anyway, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> that was my whatever what that that was a rant i don't know <laughs> oh. your hopes and dreams yeah right well anyway okay brandon 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 yes are you ready to talk about the episode of tales from the crypt that we just got to watch well that's what i'm here for not here to you know chit chat with my best friend no none of that in fact Let's get down to business everybody just skips ahead five minutes for the real meat and potatoes of this podcast <laughs> So that's what I do mentally. <laughs> yeah, you checked out until I say, all right, Tales of the Crypt time. And you're just like, you're back. And then I smack myself in the face and I'm like, all right, here we go. <laughs> well, Brandon, we just got done watching season three, episode four, Abracadaver. What'd you think about this episode? This was an interesting one. Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, I both did and didn't see where the story was going. And we'll talk about that later. Okay. But this episode, you know, has some neat you know, visual style, and uh, I like it well enough. When I watched this episode, I was kind of worried that you would either enjoy it enough or, I th like, you would hate it. 
because of like the sort like the material of it. Uh, so I was I expected you to be like, yeah, this is like my worst nightmare. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's I mean, it's an existential oh, yeah. nightmare for sure, but it has enough flair that uh, I was along for the ride. Yeah, I think it was a fun episode. Uh, I, I feel like this is one that people would like, you know, talk about a lot. Um, it's funny. You know how we did that old television terror episode? Mm-hmm. So if you look at like our podcast numbers, we, we're right now currently Mute Witness to Murder has about 172 plays. Uh, the episode after My Brother's Keeper has 191. Television Terror has 264. So like people are specifically like, I want to listen to Television Terror because I remember that episode. And it's great. And I could yeah. see people doing kind of the same for this episode just because it's pretty unique. I mean, you got Bo Bridges and his eyebrows are in this episode. And it's yeah, it's, it's pretty spooky in terms of like if you were to think of yourself in the main character's predicament. But I don't know. Yeah. I like it's got it. a 7.9 out of 10 on IMDb, which is higher than most of the episodes. Yeah. Yeah. You see? All right. Well, you know what? We somehow didn't spoil anything, so I think we should just get into it. All right. Let's talk about this. All right. Well, Brandon, our episode starts up with two big old feet right in the camera. Just a foot fetish episode right off the bat. All right. So this one's directed by Quentin Tarantino, right? Directed by Rob Schneider. No. Who's that one guy that I hate from iCarly that yelled at people? Rob. Dan Schneider. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Dan Schneider. Directed by Dan Schneider. Yeah. That ass. But nah, it's uh, there's like this name tag on there that is John Doe, and then the feet plop to the sides, and we see our best friend is the Crypt Keeper, and he's there. He's there. He's hanging out. And he's got his little surgical oh, cool. gown on, and he's got this Dr. Mirror thing on his forehead, which I'll be honest, Brandon, I always thought was a metal blade because of Metal Man from Mega Man 2. Yeah, me too. But not from Mega Man 2. No? Just oh. in general. I thought they had just kept the blade on their head. Oh, right. Just pop that into the bone just saw whenever they need it. <laughs> I don't really know what the reason is for those. I mean, I assume it's a mirror, right? Shines light from oh. an overhead light to wherever you're looking. Okay, that's fair. Then think about light. He takes a big whiff of the air saying, ah, a corpse by any other name would smell as sweet. I don't know what you talk about. Where did the Crypt Keeper get this corpse? Where did the Crypt Keeper get a sense of smell? <laughs> <laughs> that's a good question. I don't know. Brandon, you have an equally good question. Maybe it's still Arnold Schwarzenegger. You never know. Does he have a guy? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> he must. Unless, of course, that isn't dead yet. And he giggles a bit. I love when he giggles. Tonight's tawdry tale is about a man who's gravely concerned about matters of life and death. Why he'd care about that remains to be seen. He giggles a little more, pulls up his book of tales, and opens that shit up to reveal a boring picture. <laughs> he tells us that he calls this putrid piece abracadabra. So, like I said, the picture of this one, pretty boring. There's a dead woman on a table that's covered up. Some dude with a mullet is trying to reveal her boobies, but some other dude in a white coat is glaring at him and trying to stop him. Yeah, don't reveal her boobies. No, no, no. No boobies. Mullet man doesn't seem to like that even a little bit. I want to see her boobies. He does, though. Like, he's grabbing right at it and, uh... Bo Bridges, actually, it's Bo Bridges that's like, upset. He says, no, this is a children's show. <laughs> Bo, do you know where you are right now? <laughs> He's like, yeah, the son of the wizard. <laughs> children's movie. <laughs> at least I can say, Brandon, it doesn't spoil much uh, at all. No, the first 10 seconds of the movie, perhaps. I'll be honest. I was pretty excited because I was like, oh, shit, we's going to get 
a nice big old mullet for the entire episode. Guess what, though? Spoilers. We do not. We don't. <sighs> yeah, it's all downhill from there. We fade into the story, and we see two doctors arguing about clinical death versus brain death. And it turns out they's brothers. One happens to have a suspicious mullet. And I think I've seen that before. Have you? <laughs> yeah, it looks very familiar. These two are Martin and Carl. Carl's got the mullet because we're in 1991, and that was the dopest shit. Anyway. It's a fabulous mullet, I gotta say. It's very luscious. Mm-hmm. I Look. If I could choose to have the hairstyle I have now, which is basically bald, or having that mullet that I could style with anything I wanted, I would take the mullet. For sure. Wouldn't you be all... Look, dude, how cool would you look in a mullet right now? Uh, I would look fucking awesome. You'd look radical. So cool. Anyway, Carl says he's not arguing, but simply disagreeing with you that there's a difference. Take oxygen away from someone's brain, and all they have left is a couple of pounds of organ meat. They turn on the light, and we see that this... Part of the episode is in black and white for some reason? Yeah, it's an odd choice. But that's what I was talking about earlier. Like, you know, visually, we don't get things like this on the show very often. No. Or any of these shows. I'm not much interested in black and white. Uh, so I was kind of like, you know, I guess if this episode's in black and white the whole time, that's fine. But it's not really my jam. I love it. I know you do. I hate colors. <laughs> Uh, I know. Look, if you had a genie, you'd wish to be colorblind. I get it, Brandon. <laughs> yep. One day. Uh, hopefully. Carl continues here saying that the person wouldn't be able to hear, see, or feel. Martin tells Carl he's narrow-minded, just like everybody else. To which Carl's all, oh, ho, ho, that's the pot kettle calling the kettle black. And man, does this man have an absolutely gorgeous mullet. Thank you, notes. Thank you, previous me. I'm right. Yes. <laughs> yep you're right then and you're right now martin snaps on his glove saying you know what i don't even have to help you you know no one helped me get through medical school and carl sighs and walks away saying that's because you're a fucking genius he is he's bo bridges he is a genius he's always a genius martin stomps after him saying no way it totally doesn't have anything to do with that being a surgeon requires hard work and sacrifices but not the sacrifice where you're licking kim delaney's back if you're going to succeed, that's what he says. I don't know. It's in my notes. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> Carl pushes his brother just a little bit. Nothing crazy saying, yeah, like a miserable uptight asshole like you. Martin asks him what he's going to do when he has his own practice. Is he going to call Martin in the middle of surgery because Carl don't know what to do? Carl's over kind of like undraping a body and Martin's all, wouldn't you need my help if you just worked a little more seriously, Carl? Carl puts his hand on Martin's shoulder saying, nah, I don't need you here, Marty. You can hold my dick for me when I got to take a leak. So basically they're just, it's just back and forth of like yeah, brotherly squabbles. That's what it's like. Well, Martin thinks that's a good one. And then the two look down at the cadaver on the table and Martin points at his chest saying, here's a mild anomaly right over here. Now, what are the implications? And we get a closer look at this body and it looks pretty awesome. It's all cut open and it looks like a straight up zombie. Yeah, it's gruesome. Um. It seems a little uh, far-fetched that it would be this bad of shape, but uh, they roll with yeah, it. It's whatever. like their chest cavity is just blown open. It's as if like a alien chest burster exploded out of this guy's body, slapped up his face a bit, and scampered away. And they're like, oh, there's some sort of anomaly in here. <laughs> it almost is like that, yes. Carl gets the question wrong, and Martin tells them, come on now, you use your damn eyes, Carl. The right coronary artery usually crosses the cracks, right? 
So, what does this tell you about this guy's problems? None of this matters, I'm sorry. Carl here stumbles more through this little pop quiz, and Martin wonders aloud how he even got through his first two years. They're interrupted by a noise behind them, so Carl throws the blanket back over it, saying that they'll just have to come back to it some other time. Martin asks, um, so is that what you're going to say when you take your practicals next week? And Carl lifts up another blanketed corpse, and then is all, oh shit, this is gross, and walks away. Over to another corpse, he just whips the blanket off, and we see it's a naked woman. Woo! Carl's excited about this because he's a weirdo, and then says to the corpse, he would turn necro for her in a second. And I have my notes. Yep, weirdo. Yuck. Martin says he's disgusting, as Carl wonders if the corpse can hear them. He pulls her head over to look at her and then calls her beautiful. Martin slaps him, and Carl's all, dude, stop that shit, you're fucking weird. And Carl doubles down saying, girl, she's dead. She wouldn't know it if we went hip to hip till sunrise. God, this, this is nasty. stupid. It's, I feel stupid just talking about it. Yeah. I know it's for it. <laughs> it's dumb. Martin tells him, oh, yeah? Then how do you explain those kids they pull from the ice clinically dead after an hour, yet they wake up as if nothing even happened? Carl, I don't know. Maybe luck? Martin don't think so, mister. He thinks their brains never die. That's the point. Carl snaps his glove off and starts caressing the corpse's boobies and then stops saying, whoa, it's like her skin responded. Then he touches her booby again, saying, oh my god, her nipple got hard. Let's fast forward <laughs> to the end of this episode. Okay. And then the Crypt Keeper just closes the book and we're out. <laughs> that was a good one. Woo! Martin can't believe this shit and goes in for a quick boob touch when suddenly the corpse snaps up and grabs him and screams in his face and pushes him to the ground and starts strangling him. Just a whole quick succession of events. Carl can't believe his eyes and doesn't even attempt to help his brother at all when another corpse pops up that's in much worse shape and it grabs Carl and just like, I don't know, touches him for a minute here. So, yeah, we're getting some action now. This is this is spooky stuff. Zombies, right? I was like, hell yeah, a zombie episode. Not awesome. really long. Even more suddenly, Carl starts busting into laughter and a bunch of people storm the room laughing it up. Then Carl yells out, surprise, happy birthday, buddy. Was that not the best joke you ever seen in your whole life? Remember when you were getting strangled by a naked woman? That was the best. Some people pay a lot of money for that. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, they do. Martin's all out of breath and he was all like, that was a joke. And Carl's all, yelp. This is my girlfriend. And she's all, ah, nice to meet you, Marty. Uh, I'm naked. Yeah, she's just standing there completely naked like, ha good prank. Did he go to his girlfriend and be like, all right, listen, honey. Yeah. I need you to just go go here at this morgue and lay on this table, strip completely naked. I'm going to come fondle you for a bit. My brother's going to come <laughs> up, have a little feel. And then, oh, my God. And then you can scream at him, and it's all going to be worth it. And if you want to, you can even was strangle like, him. Yes. <laughs> I see nothing wrong with this plan. <laughs> yes <laughs> i that is i've been waiting for you to tell me that i can do this <laughs> and then to have all these like other people just involved in like that's <laughs> so stupid yeah the other guy who was like a zombie like didn't do anything <laughs> he just laid there until it was time to be like <laughs> and then it, and then the jig was up it's all hmm this is a stupid it's and he stupid. wasn't naked was he I don't think so. I think he had, like, a pant on or so. All right. Whatever. Martin stands up a little and accidentally pushes a tray to the floor saying, Oh, man, I thought you forgot it was my birthday. 
<laughs> well, Carl might be a selfish prick, but he's not that selfish. One of the pretend corpses pulls off a wig and a mask and lifts up a drink. And Carl tells him to stop standing there gawking and join in the party. Marty starts laughing, but then he falls to the ground because his heart is under attack. Uh-oh. Carl screams Marty's name into the camera and then we fade away because we don't want to see Bo Bridges die. Oh. Oh, no. National treasure. Exactly. Now we're in present day, I guess, because there's color. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh. Huh, this whole episode isn't going to be in black and white. Kind of disappointing. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I thought it was going to be in black and white the whole time, but nah. That was just to tell us that was the thing of the past. And now we're in present day, 1991, <laughs> I guess. And yeah, mullets are out. Way in the past. <laughs> when mullets flowed freely. Yeah. <laughs> but no more mullets, okay? We have some guy who I wasn't sure if it was Carl or not at the time. So I suppose, who might be Carl, walked through a busy hallway of a hospital and then into an equally busy office room. A woman named Kelly, who I assumed would be important to this episode oh at my this God, point. Yes. Hands him. She walks into the scene <laughs> with such confidence and like speaks to him like very importantly. Yes. She's like, I'm a like, main character. Oh, so this is our like main love interest here. Yeah. This is the only scene that she's in. So don't get used to Kelly, I guess. She hands him something, but he doesn't want none of that, and he walks away. Kelly walks after him, saying, hey, can I talk to you a sec? And she follows him into the office of Dr. Carl Fairbanks, the chief of pathology, and closes the door behind her. She wonders why Carl's been avoiding her. It's likely because he no longer has that luscious mullet, right? Yeah. Like, you take away the mullet, you take away all your sexiness and all your powers. Yes, that is where his power resides. He says about as much and that they're talking right now, right? Kelly just wants to know if it's over. And Carl's all, ugh, Kelly, don't go reading dire messages and everything. Sometimes the banana is just a banana, okay? Kelly doesn't like bananas, though, and asks where the hell he was last night. Carl ain't listening, though, because he's reading some mail and doesn't like what he's reading because he yells out, son of a bitch. And he stands up and he storms out of the room. Leaving Kelly behind in the dust forever i'm sure kelly will show up again right i mean she's so important well we'll Shut see up. the twist ending when kelly comes back as a zombie mm-hmm, mm-hmm. over in a laboratory of sorts is a dude and carl asks what the hell this means and he called in every favor to get him that teaching position why aren't you taking it and turns out the guy is marty who didn't die from a heart attack back in that black and white flashback well that's good because i assumed he did Oh, me too. Yeah, it was all like, oh, no, Marty, you're fading fast. And then we faded fast and two color. And I was like, <laughs> he's dead for sure. He's not. He's alive a kicking. Martin says he's doing good. Thanks for asking. Carl paces around the room complaining that Marty didn't even have the decency to tell him. And he found out through a copy of his letter to the faculty. Do you have any idea what that makes Carl look like? <laughs> Marty is just looking through his microscope, not paying much attention. And he's all, well, an asshole, maybe. What do you think? Carl is through discussing this with him, and he's calling the committee in the morning to tell them Marty has taken the job. Martin doesn't have any time to teach, though. Brandon, he's a busy Bo Bridges. Carl corrects his brother, saying, you know what? You got nothing but time. Also, they made a deal. Either you show me results or I cut off your funding. <gasps> you showed me nothing. So I says to myself, I says, fine, I'll get you a teaching position. You can waste your own money for a change. Martin stands up sighing and grabbing some brown liquid on a shelf. And he says, damn, Carl, you never see me anymore. Only your money. I don't know what you're talking about, Martin. Carl warns him one last time, take the job or he's cutting him off completely. 
Martin just pours some drinks of that brown shit, giggling while Carl's being totally serious right now, mister. Being serious as hell. Again, Martin ignores him and just hands him a drink. And Carl grabs it and just stares, saying, you'll never forgive me, will you? And Martin takes a step back, clinks his glass on Carl's and says that he'll try a little, bro. Then drinks up. He asks, you remember the, the trip I took to Haiti? And Carl does because he paid for it. And Martin's all, yep, you sure did. And walks away. And Carl finishes his drink, slams that down, and starts to walk after Martin, who is walking with a limp, Brandon. He has taken some serious damage from his heart attack. Yep. <laughs> all right, cool. <laughs> so so the situation here is that, you know, Martin survived his heart attack. Mm-hmm. And, and Carl you know, has to deal with the fact that he caused his brother to almost die. So out of guilt, he's like paying Martin's way through life and funding all his research and whatever. Because mm-hmm. Carl's a big shot now. Yes. He, he's rich and successful. And Martin's just some weirdo who does experiments in a basement. But Carl funds it. But now he's threatening to cut him off. Yes. Because he's not showing any results. Because... Martin is so obsessed with that whole, like, brain death versus clinical death bullshit, basically. Yeah. The stuff he was brought up before he was almost dead and then brought back. So his pathway in life probably would have led him to this point anyway, because he's essentially a hippie doctor, right? Yes. Okay. And he's obsessed with this one idea. Mm Mm-hmm. Never a good idea to be obsessed with one idea. Over at a machine, Martin boops a couple of buttons, and we see all sorts of numbers and graphs and shit, and there's a picture of a human head, and then he boops another button, and a hidden compartment slides out that has a bunch of, like, voodoo stuff on it. Wasn't really expecting this, but, you know, okay. There's, like, a bowl with some smoke coming out of it and a lit candle, which really seems like something you shouldn't be putting inside of a little small secret compartment. Yeah, you'd think. Seems kind of like a fire hazard, but I'm not Martin. I don't know. He's the doctor here. <laughs> He's the Bo Bridges out of the two of us. I'll do whatever Bo Bridges says. I mean, I watched... Look, I watched him in The Wizard, and he beat the shit out of a car with a shovel and then threw it at it like a javelin. So, I mean, you, you listen to Bo Bridges, okay? Carl wonders aloud what the hell all this shit is, and if it's where all of his money's been going. And Marty explains in Haiti there's a ritual called Les Mort Vivante. Carl gets real with Marty, saying, Now, Marty. You told me this money was to support endorphin research, not voodoo. Come on, Marty. Marty argues that voodoo is a form of folk medicine, so he's not, like, technically wrong. They've discovered things that'll totally blow your mind. Carl asks, like what? Hanging dead chickens from the ceiling? Now that sounds awfully racist of you, Carl. Sounds delicious, though. Yeah, well, I just had chicken last night, so. I'd eat some hanging chicken. You gotta pluck all the feathers and stuff, though. Oh my god. So, you know how I do recruiting in my, like, IRL job? Yes. This one time a couple of years ago, I saw this resume where somebody's skill was being able to pluck clean 27 chickens in an hour. And I was like, damn, you're hired. That's a <laughs> lot of chickens. I know. Like, it's it's a pretty good skill, but I don't know if I'd put it on my resume. <laughs> It'd probably take me an hour to pluck one chicken, and I don't even know if I would finish it. Dude, right? Same. I'd probably be like, I can't do this. I'm sorry. And then the plucking factory would have to pluck and fire me. (laughs) (laughs) They'd be like, Cortland, pluck off. (laughs) I'd be like, please, no. (laughs) I pluck faster. And then I wouldn't because it's weird. (laughs) Yeah. 
Marty tells him to listen up because he saw the ceremony for the living dead and he saw dead people rise from their dwaves. <laughs> zombies, Brandon. I was like, yes, we're getting more zombies. Oh, yeah. It was setting us up for zombies. I thought zombies for sure. Guess what we don't get, Brandon? Yeah. I'm going to have to bring the my review score down just a bit because of the blatant misdirection. Yeah, the, the tease of zombies. And then I got no zombies. You know how that enrages me? <laughs> yes. The rest of my notes are just a blur at this point. <laughs> I've been in the room watching movies with you where it seems like we're getting zombies, and then we don't, and I'm like, oh boy, here we go. <laughs> Brandon, look, I'm going to bring this up again. I don't know if we've talked about it in the past, but The Stand, you had the giant hardcover book of The Stand, the like the extended edition from Stephen King that was like, what, 1,500 pages or something? And like that. there is a scant few amount of illustrated pictures. And in one of them, towards the Pretty very end, <laughs> towards the very end of this book, there's one picture that looks like there's a couple of zombies. And we knew like a small baseline of the book that there's like a, a flu or something and it, it kills people. And we're like, oh, there's a picture of zombies. People are dying. It's got to be a zombie book. And we both read the entire fucking book. There was no zombies. I don't regret it because it was a great book. But but yeah, the whole time I was like, okay, but when do the zombies show up? <laughs> it's funny too because like sometimes Stephen King, the way he wrote it would be like, and then he looked at the corpse and he was like, it's totally going to get up. And then it doesn't. And I'm like, oh, damn it, Stephen King. Oh, he knows what he's doing. He did. Such a good book though. Not going to lie. Carl whispers, is that what this is about? God damn it, Marty. We had an understanding. I told you I wouldn't pay for any of this bullshit. And Marty tells him, no, it totally isn't bullshit. The candles? <laughs> yeah. The candle was like five bucks, boss. It was shit, right? You got it on sale at Bed Bath & Beyond. <laughs> he found what he was looking for, though. And now he can show uh, a word I wrote, but I don't. Quantitatively? Quantitatively? I can't read that word. What am I saying? Quant- Quantitatively? Old man Corcoran? Quantitatively. (laughs) That, in certain situations, the brain remains viable long after clinical death. Then he lifts up his finger and beckons his brother to follow, even though his brother is like an inch away. He does, and we see Marty's just chilling over here with a corpse, and he says, This subject died three days ago. Three days, and I'm still getting all kinds of video activity. Carl starts yelling over him as Marty tries explaining there's another girl over there that died a week ago. Carl thinks that this is all just a goddamn freak show and that this is it. It's over. As far as Carl's concerned, he's paid his debt to him. Have a nice life. And he says these lines without moving his lips, which I found hilarious. uh, I'm going to (laughs) say. I found it really funny. Hey, they're brothers. They got that telepathy going on. Look, they're not practically twins. They're not Tia and Tamara, Brandon. That's not a thing. Unless you're Tia and Tamara. It's only one Tia and Tamara. Carl goes to walk away, but Carl's all, well, I hope you have a nice death. Got him. I put in my notes without knowing what was happening next. (laughs) (laughs) Carl then hunches over and grabs his chest and starts wheezing. And up walks Marty asking, how's it feel, Carl? Huh? When your heart seizes up on you. And Carl falls to the ground as Marty reaches into a drawer and grabs a pipe to smoke on. Because I don't, he's stupid. I don't get it. Then he sighs saying, ah, seeing you like this really brings back some memories. You remember that night, don't you? Even though you brought it up already? Because I do. I was one hell of a surgeon until your little joke caused me a career. A surgeon needs two good hands. And he looks at his hands, 
saying that he's got the paralysis, which is the only birthday gift he ever gave him. Damn. I know, right? Laying it on super thick here. Carl, he's still wheezing on the floor, asks, what have you done to me? And Marty's all, oh. I killed you, haven't I? Well, I mean, not officially. Yeah, you're still alive. I'm surprised you didn't taste it. I thought the variant hydrochloride would have clashed with the scotch. Too bad you can't pour back what you see and feel. I don't know what he beats by that. You've always been so helpful in my research. And we see Marty here. He fills up a hypodermic needle and he shuffles over to Carl's stand. Don't worry. Just take it easy now. Don't make this difficult. Um, he can't. He's like literally convulsing on the ground. Yeah. Now, if I don't give you this, they might find traces of the poison in your systems. Couldn't have that, could we? Say goodnight, Gracie. What? I don't know. Look, he said it. Okay, I put it in my note. <laughs> okay. And he injects Carl with the good stuff. Carl fucking dies. <laughs> and Marty checks him out. And he gets all close to his face and asks how it feels being dead. And his voice is a little modulated as we uh, hear Carl say that... I'm not dead. I feel like shit, but I'm not dead. And his voice is a little far away. So you can tell that it's just him and his own mind, like, thinking. Marty asks the camera if Carl's in there. To which Carl's all, I'm talking to you, ain't I? And Marty stands up, telling him not to go away. And, like, I get what's happening. It's not hard to figure it out. Yes. If you've seen the the Bruce Willis classic, Look Who's Talking, you know exactly what's going on. Yeah, right, exactly. Talking baby. He's a baby. <laughs> My, he thinks what he's talking, but we can't hear him. I, I think this is, I, I bring this up in my notes here in a minute, but it's funny because he just died. Like he just was wheezing, clutching his heart, like, oh, this is the end of my life, you know? And then when mm-hmm. it gets to like his voice and Marty gets close to the camera, he's like, yeah, Marty, I'm right here. What is wrong? Like, no, you just died. Shouldn't you have a little <laughs> bit more concern in your imaginary mind voice? I don't get it. Yeah. He should be like, oh, what the fuck? Uh, What happened? What just happened? Yeah. I felt like my heart was going to explode, and now, like, I can't feel anything. What's going on? Nope. He's just like, stop, brother of mine. Quick in my face. Why are you looking at me like, OMG? Mom, he's not touching me. (laughs) (laughs) Hey there, everybody. Cortland here, your good buddy and your favorite doctor. Thank you so much for joining us today, whether this is your first episode or you've listened to everything we've got. We are so thankful for you spending some time with us. If you'd like to help support the show and get access to tons of bonus content that's uploaded multiple times a week, check out patreon.com slash private island. We've got early ad-free episodes, bonus episodes, bloopers, and more. There's tiers starting as low as a dollar a month, so I hope you check it out and you become a patron today. I'd like to take a moment to thank our current patrons, the Beths, Veniswitch, Tristan, Redemption, Lyle, Eddie, Ray, Rad Magical, and Faith, the Goths, Stephen, Matt, Lindsay, Aaron, Brittany, Rachel, Sid, and Corey, the citizens of Carlsville, Sarah, Ryan, Mr. Normal, Matt, Keith, Christy, Angela, and Meredith, and your boys and girls, Kathy, Farron, Bryce, and Brian. Thank you for your support, everybody. Brandon and I truly appreciate it. You can find us all over social media. We're at UANpod on Twitter or X. At Up All Night Podcast on Instagram and Threads, at Up All Night HA Podcast on YouTube, and at Private Island Presents on TikTok. I try to make videos for just about every episode that we cover, and I hope you enjoy them. I'll be out of town this week, so content might be a little light. Um, I won't be able to go live at all. But if you're interested in hanging out live, we do watch parties on Instagram, or you can play games with us at twitch.tv slash private island C. I'd like to take a moment to thank the Benevolent Badger for their work on the music for our show. Aside from this theme dating start from Undertale, composed by Toby Fox. I'd also like to thank Brandon for his work on the artwork.
Thanks for listening in. For now, I'll let you get back to the episode, and I will talk with you next week. Bye, everybody. We see Carl's eyes open, just staring at nothing because he's dead. And we get that a lot where it just like cuts to Carl. He's just like, you know, the direction was, all right, just open your eyes and stare into the distance. Don't look at the camera, Brittany. You know, (laughs) (laughs) that's a deep cut. Uh, Yeah. Sorry. Little Rascals. uh, I think, you know what? I think I put Little Rascals up on Patreon for everybody to listen to. So you could could listen to it. Sure. Carl's inner voice says that Marty's the worst doctor ever. And to just help him up as if he wasn't just poisoned by him. Yeah. (laughs) Marty rolls a machine over saying that now that heavy dose of endorphins are kicking in and he bets Carl is feeling pretty good. Carl's mind tells us that it is starting to wear real thin and he wants Marty to stop it. And he knows that he can hear him because he can hear himself. Then, inner voice Carl realizes that he can't move his arms and wonders if he's paralyzed. Marty starts hooking Carl's body up to a machine, and it shows that he's flatlined and clinically dead, but he can still see, hear, and feel, which he demonstrates by ripping off the machine tabs and Carl's all, ouch. (laughs) Did he not notice that his mouth wasn't moving when he was talking? Look, Brandon, if you hear your voice, that means you're talking, okay? You don't question anything People can hear their voices in their head all the time, but they're not like... Am I talking right now? I'm pretty sure I'm talking because uh, I can hear it. I think that Mar- I, th- I think Carl might be stupid. <laughs> I think he might he's be like a very successful chief of pathology. We learned in the beginning he's not a genius like Marty, even though Marty's also stupid. I guess like all of his intelligence drained away with the mullet being chopped off. Oh man, he, he... and then he was just like the. Am I talking? <laughs> Look, he he had the mullet on when he did his clinical trials and stuff. <laughs> he had and... it on. Like it was a helmet. <laughs> he just clicked it on the back of his I mean, it probably was. <laughs> <laughs> but look, he didn't need the powers of his mullet after he became a doctor anymore. So he was like, off with the mullet. Okay? And then he became an right. idiot. He got, he got what he wanted out of life. And then he was like, I don't need you anymore. The power was inside me all along. <laughs> But he was wrong. Nope. It was the mullet the whole time. The camera zooms in on Carl's face as his voice says that he can't feel his heart beating. And Marty explains that touch is the first sense to go. And he hopes that's true because the organ donor truck is going to be by real soon. And he doesn't think he's going to feel good. I don't really think that they would take poisoned organs personally, but whatever. At this point, I was like, how the hell is Martin expecting to get away with this? Yeah, it's the chief of pathology at a big hospital. <laughs> yeah, he's just going to disappear and like people are just going to take his organs and he's just going to be whisked away and buried or whatever without anyone knowing. Yeah. All right, whatever. Yep. Marty laughs in his face saying that you said I had no sense of humor. It's kind of perfect, right? Here I am laughing my ass off and you are deadly serious. Then Marty blows smoke into the camera, which is really rude considering it's, you know, Carl's face. Asking, who's fucked now, Carl? Carl's mind screams about how crazy this is, and then the camera zooms super close into his eyeball. And we fade over to Marty rolling Carl's body down a hallway with a sheet over him. In Carl's mind, he's wondering what time it is and stuff when the blanket gets ripped away, and some dude in dreadlocks plops all of his hair right into his face, asking, what's all the hubbub about this now, hmm? He flicks him a couple of times and starts talking, but he has a really heavy accent, and it's also a bit modulated, so it's basically impossible to understand anything. Do the voice, Cortland. No. (laughs) (laughs) I won't be doing that. (laughs) 
<laughs> don't do the voice core. Uh, he talks about, you know, this being a fresh body. Uh, most of the time, the body's sent up there and it's dark and already chopped up, which is weird. The man flicks Carl's again, whose mind says, ow. And this guy, his name is Mitch, is excited to have a fresh cadaver. We hear Carl asking what the hell is going on because this isn't the, the morgue. And he finds out that Marty and Mitch are going to tag him as a John Doe. And his inner mind yells about this, and Marty's all, don't worry, I was totally kidding about being an organ donor. They'd ask too many questions. Besides, it seems right that you'll wind up here, where my life ended, and yours is about to begin. And we look and see that he's in the room from the beginning of the episode, but it's not in black and white oh, anymore. Shit. And there's no naked girls there. He asks Carl if he remembers this room, and Carl's inner mind says that they'll totally catch him and fry his fucking little balls off. Marty uses his Marty senses to sense anger in Carl. And Carl's mind says that he doesn't deserve this shit. And what he did to Marty was just a, a little accident. You know, just having a goof. Mitch walks up and Marty offers to help hang Carl up. Carl's all, oh shit, not the meat locker. And then they roll Carl over to the meat locker. Is that a thing they do with dead bodies? Dude, I don't know. I'm pretty sure it's not. Don't they put them in like big drawers? Yeah. Like filing cabinets. I'm starting to think that this hospital is not really on the up and up, Brandon. <laughs> Just hang them like cows in a butcher shop. Pretty much, because Marty turns on the light, and we see there's just a bunch of bodies in here all hanging on meat hooks. It seems a little weird, is what I put in my notes. I'm not an expert. I don't know how these things go, but I don't think that that's right. It doesn't seem like it to me either, Brandon. I think something's wrong. Nah. There's so many bodies, though. I don't know why. They're just all on meat hooks. It's the perfect preservation. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll get to them eventually. They roll Carl over, but damn it, Mitch forgot his knife. No worries, though. Marty's got one. And he pulls out a pocket knife and hands it over to Mitch, who starts cutting into the body as Carl's all, Ah, jeez, I could feel it. Oh, wait. No, I can't. He must be right about losing that sense of touch. Mitch slides that hook right in and asks Martin to help him out. And they left Marty up and plop him up just like in Dead by Daylight. <laughs> Yep. That's all very disturbing. Hopefully somebody comes and rescues him or else he's going to be out of this game real quick. Carl screams a bit, yelling for them to get him out. And he just cannot stand this shit anymore. And it's hell and everything. Because, like, being paralyzed and all that, it sucks. I wish it would. Then he's like, oh, wait, that's totally what it is. I've died and gone to hell. And hell is this meat locker of the medical school. Sure, sure. I mean, yeah. Probably. If that's as bad as it gets, it's not too bad. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Then his corpse swings near another hangy body and his inner voice screams because that's scary. Yeah. Like it closes up on the other corpse's face and it's all like, you know, because it's dead. Spooked him. Spooked his inner voice. Up walks Marty saying, see you tomorrow, Carl. Carl begs a little again for Marty to get him down. But Martin doesn't do that because he can't hear anything. And he shuffles over to the door and says, so? I guess you'll just be hanging around till then. And he chuckles because that's a good one. And closes the door as Carl screams, no! We see the hook slipping and Carl crashes to the ground. And then he passes out, I guess, and kind of wakes up to see Mitch rolling a gurney into the locker. Carl doesn't like seeing this asshole again. And we see Mitch turn the lights on. And his modulated voice asks, what you doing down there? Don't you like your accommodations? You want a chance to another hotel at this time? Too late, man. Club dread for you. This next part, Brandon, absolutely wild. He pulls Carl up and Carl wonders how long this is going to last. Hopefully not forever, right? I got to die sometime. Mitch here smoking the devil's lettuce. 
and offers a taste to Carl. Carl probably doesn't want to, but Mitch puts the weed in his mouth and shotguns it into Carl's open mouth. Yeah. A lot of blowing smoke into faces going yeah. on. Yeah, I think it's this episode is basically just a big old fetish. Carl's voice starts coughing and then is like, oh, wait, I can't cough. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, I'm not talking. Oh, wait, I can't feel anything. Mitch puts that wacky tobacco into Carl's mouth as Carl complains he doesn't know where Mitch's mouth has been. Mitch is about to get up, but he stops. He turns to Carl and says, one more thing about my ganja. It won't be killing you. And he laughs a whole bunch, then gets behind Carl and lifts up his arms and starts swimming with him. Like literally just like swimming with Carl's arms. And he hugs Carl and he lifts him up and he plops him on the gurney. What the fuck is all that? What is all this was like, where is this coming from? I don't know. It's weird, like, Weekend at Bernie's body humor. It was very out of place, and I didn't care for it. Over in another room, Carl wonders to himself when this shit's gonna stop. And I wondered the same. Mitch is over him saying, alright, let's get this stuff started. Carl deduces he's on the embalming table. And Mitch grabs a scalpel and cuts into Carl, who complains that he's gonna slit his throat. And we get another close-up of Carl's face as Carl says, oh, snap, he's gonna take out my blood. But the camera lingers just a little too long, and we see Carl somewhat blink. Interesting. Yeah. We get to watch Mitch muttering, and we can barely hear him as he connects the tube and starts draining Carl's blood. Inside, Carl thinks that's too many loose ends, and somebody's going to come looking. Also, he's starting to get lightheaded, so this must be uh, must be the end. Yeah, he's like begging for death at this point. Pretty much, and I don't blame he's him. He's like, oh, let's just get to it, man. It'll just kill me already. Yeah. <laughs> I don't blame him at all. Yeah, they should kill him. <laughs> Up pops Marty wishing Carl a very good morning and asks if he's still with him. Carl doesn't respond, so Marty tells him that he just wants to know how glad he is that he joined him for the first class. Oh, by the way, I changed my mind about your offer and decided you were right about the money and everything, so I took the teaching job. I know the school's in. We see some students walking into the room now, so Carl complains that Marty was right and his body's dead, but his brain is alive. Marty welcomes all the students into the room, and he says that he's Dr. Fairbanks, and he'll be conducting today's class on cranial anatomy. So without further ado, he'll begin by drawing the incision lines. Now Carl's mind is ready and raring for this permadeath thing to get rolling, so this shit could be over. And we see his little finger lift up. Marty's drawing the lines, but Carl's mind says that he can feel his fingers like pins and needles. Maybe it's wearing off. So Marty pulls out a big saw saying this epidural saw can cut through skin and bones. You wouldn't be able to imagine what a terrible mess our old saws used to make. But they got these new and improved versions, Brandon. Oh, good. So they can blast open some brains quicker. Yes. <laughs> he turns that on for a second, and we hear Carl yell, No, wait! And Marty stops and then asks one of his students to please peel back the skin while he cuts. And he turns that saw on again as Carl yells for Marty to just quit it. I'm being peeled! I love the way he says it. I do too. He's just in his brain like, I'm being peeled! <laughs> Look, that's pretty logical. Right? I'm being, they talked about bananas before. <laughs> <laughs> You're peeling me apart, Lisa! <laughs> I think it's incredible. <laughs> he also yells that they're tearing his skull apart. Tearing my yeah. skull apart, Lisa. 
We see Carl's fingers <laughs> flicker up again, and he can feel his fingers and toes, and he's alive. And we see blood start pouring down the camera as Marty cracks the biggest burn, saying he thinks their subject was a little hard-headed. Then he goes back to sawing into Carl's head some more, and he hands his saw over to a student and then lifts up Carl's scalp, which looks like a terrible wig. It looks awful. Yes, it does. Inside, Carl screams for him to stop and that he's alive. But Marty doesn't hear that and just rips out his brain. Suddenly, Carl pops up screaming and he's got a little blood dripping on his head and everyone around him is laughing. And Marty smiles uh-huh. saying, welcome back to the world of the living, little bro. Carl's all, I'm alive. And Marty tells him, heck yeah, you are. Oh, you had a heart attack. All right. And you were clinically dead. The stuff I put in is your drink induced it. But you were never in danger. Okay. So, yeah, that's that's the twist of this episode, right? Yep. Were you shocked at all? Um, I don't remember. I, I kind of knew that it was going to be like I, in my mind. I was like, oh, they showed us the prank at the beginning. I wonder if this is just going to be a prank, bro. You know, but I also was kind of like, maybe it's not. I don't I don't know. I, I kind of gave it a 50 50 shot. You know, here's the thing. Okay. When Martin was telling Carl about his theories or whatever. And then he, quote-unquote, killed him with the the poison. Mm-hmm. I thought from the beginning the entire point was to be like, all right, you're dead now. Now I'm going to bring you back. Yeah. So, like, I thought that was the play from the start. But then they started being like, all right, we're going to take your organs and we're going to drain your blood. And I'm like, wait, but if you drain his blood, then how are you going to bring him back? Like, that's that's dumb. Oh, you're, you're taking his brain out? Why? If you're going to bring him back... And it was only, like, when they revealed the prank was I like, oh, like, you were trying to make him think that you were just killing him normally. Yeah, they were just having a goof, Brandon. Yeah, but uh, I was, like, one step ahead, I guess. (laughs) Because it was incredibly obvious that he was, like, trying to prove out his Mm -hmm. formula. Yeah. I saw this episode going a couple of different ways. When I first saw Marty back in the episode after his heart attack, I thought maybe it was a, a story where uh, Carl is like a, a fake doctor kind of thing. Because they said he wasn't very smart, you know, through his clinicals and stuff. So I thought maybe he was like having Ghost Martin help him. And then it was going to be revealed at the end that Martin was dead the whole time. Kind of like Sixth Sense or Dream Girl or something. Uh, but that's not how they went. Oh, my first thought when I saw Martin back was that I thought it was going to be like, oh, so Martin proved his whole thing about brain death was correct by coming back himself. He's a zombie. He's like, yeah, he's like dead, but not dead at the same time. Yeah. This whole time. An abracadabra, if you will. Abracadabra, yes. sorry. <laughs> he abracadabra back to life. Well, we, you know what? We still got a little bit of episode left. So yes. let's, let's finish this shit up. Martin reaches into his coat and grabs a bottle of bright green liquid saying that this is what I injected you with. It's what I was working on and what you were paying for. I call it suspenser. In the event Why? of catastrophic... Because <laughs> he's stupid. This is Bo Bridges, Brandon, okay? <laughs> In the event of catastrophic injury or heart failure, it preserves brain function just like it preserved yours. Over the course of a few hours, it wears off. Carl's all, huh? A few hours? It felt like days. Mitch over here drops his Jamaican accent saying, yeah, it was actually just under three hours. And Carl asks who all these people are and they're Dr. Fairbanks research staff. Marty digs in saying, Carl, you would have known that if you would have just stopped in every once in a while. 
oh, hey, sorry about that meat hook, by the way. And they all have a good chuckle about that. And he pulls out a harness saying it wasn't supposed to break. He was just on a harness the whole time. He wasn't in Dead by Daylight, Brandon. Oh, what a lot of work to go through. <laughs> Dude, right? We'll talk about that in a second. Marty asks what he thinks and if Carl's impressed and if he won over his toughest critic. Carl nods and says, saying, yeah, you have. And then he chuckles, too. He's proud of Marty. But then Carl's face morphs into a grimace and he clutches his heart. And Marty's all, oh, shit, what's wrong, Carl? Carl slowly falls back down because he's having another heart attack. And Marty yells out, Johnson, get me the hypodermic. Shit, it was only a joke. The gang all check in on Carl to help, but Marty loads up that fluid again and he injects him saying, gosh, it was only a joke. It was just a goof. They're doing CPR and stuff on it when the episode just kind of fades to white. And we cut to some random surgeons looking down at a corpse saying, man, what a terrible story. The guy's own brother killed him. It was an accident because he was working with his experimental drug. He didn't have any idea it would actually cause a heart attack. It's a shame, Brandon. Damn shame. Yeah. We see that it's Carl who's on the operating table and about to get his autopsy. And we hear his inner voice say that he just can't wait for this to happen and that Marty was absolutely right. Except that the sense of touch isn't the first thing to go. It's the last. And the bone saw revs up and starts cutting into his head as he screams a whole bunch. What an ironic ending. Yeah, it sucks that it happened to Carl, though. Like, he didn't do anything wrong. No, he doesn't really deserve to be essentially uh, murdered. Yes, yes. In, inside of his own brain. So are the implications of this story, is it the, like, suspension of life? Is it because of the liquid that um, that Martin gave him? Or is it just how it is? You know, because he talks about this from the beginning before he even had this serum and he's got a couple of bodies that are like still showing brain activity which if that's the yeah. case wouldn't you be like hey my brother's still in there you should probably hook him up to a machine to check his brain activity and then you would see that he was still alive you'd think oh, there's a lot of ways around this i feel now he injected him again with the the green liquid so does that mean that after three hours carl wakes up again and then has another heart attack over and over and over and over again so he had the heart attack mm -hmm. step then... one heart attack Bo Bridges was like, well, he's dead. I guess we'll give him over to the real doctors. Ah, okay. For some reason, even though he knows his thing works. So so you're trying to tell me this episode's stupid. <laughs> so then the real doctors cut off his brain, which <laughs> apparently they do like immediately. I, I wouldn't have thought so. First thing first, autopsy's getting ready. You cut out that brain. As soon as the, the heart monitor goes beep, it's just like, cut that brain out quick. <laughs> well, it's still juicy. <laughs> you wouldn't know, Brandon, because you're not a doctor. I know. I'm so stupid about these things. I I, like, I didn't know the, <laughs> the secret world where they're just throwing bodies on hooks and cutting their brains out instantly, but whatever. Uh, you got to go to med school for that you stuff, Brandon. Go, yeah, you, you got to learn. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, we fade over to the Crypt Keeper looking down at the camera. He pulls off his face shield saying, tisk, tisk, tisk. And Carl thought he was the family family's practical choker. He lifts up a saw asking, want to play doctor? Then open wide and say, ah. And then he giggles into the camera and uh, out of the episode. Not much Crypt Keeper in this one, I have to say. No, a lot of these episodes, he's in it for like 30 seconds total. It's kind of, it's kind of sad. I like my Crypt Keeper. 
but uh but yeah that was um abracadabra brandon what'd you think did you did you enjoy your time here uh yeah it was interesting like a, a lot of the episode was in first person perspective mm-hmm. and they played with that a lot and there was that black and white segment in the beginning it does have a lot to offer it, it was an interesting gimmicky episode yeah, you know what I will say though, Brandon, is that like this story of being in like paralysis through death kind of thing, it's not really anything new. Um, I think Stephen King has a short story about it, right? Yeah, he does. Yeah, I think it's something that's been, uh, it's been done before, um, and I think it was done fine in this one. I mean, you get that sense of dread for for Carl. Yeah, because it's fucking terrifying to imagine. And there's been reports of this happening to people. Yeah. So moral of the story, Brandon. Don't get into a coma. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, if you can avoid it. Yeah. Don't get into a coma. The moral of the story, just listen to Bo Bridges. Yeah, you should. You, sh- you should definitely listen to Bo. Moral of the story, though, Brandon, they were just having a goof. Goof. <laughs> Isn't that stupid? The whole premise of this episode is that, like, Carl's joke was, uh, it was a very elaborate setup, but it was just a prank. And then he... <laughs> And then Marty goes and literally fucking poisons his brother, being like, it was just a joke, bro. Yeah. <laughs> just, just a, a prank, prank. bro. It's <laughs> so stupid. Ugh. Uh, alternate episode names, Brandon. I got the perfect one. It's just a, What's that? Just a prank, bro. <laughs> it fits on so many yeah. levels. That works. I don't know. What was the, the Stephen King short story? Was it like Patient 17 or something like that? I don't know. It was... It was in a, I don't know. And you know what? Whatever. I don't have time to look it up. <laughs> we got to <laughs> yeah. get on the roll here. Whatever, right? man. Let's 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 just bust through this here. A- any alternate episode titles for you, Brandon? Uh, Bo knows best. Yeah, Bo Bridges in charge. <laughs> mullet of power. <laughs> Not without my mullet. Oh man, you know what? It's a shame that that mullet wasn't in this episode longer. All right, let's meet this cast, Brandon. All right, who are these, like, couple of people? We we got, like, four people. We got to start with Bo Bridges, Brandon. His eyebrows are telling me to. Who's Bo Bridges? I never heard of him. Look, if I'm being quite honest with you, Brandon, the only movie that I know of off the top of my head that I've seen Bo Bridges in is the 1989 classic, The Wizard. It's not even on his known-for list of movies. It should be, though. It should be. Was The Wizard the first movie that we did a plot points on? I think it was, wasn't it? Uh, The Santa Claus was. Oh, The Santa Claus. The Wizard was the first one where I was like, Brandon, I accidentally watched this movie. I have to tell you about it. Okay. <laughs> yes. Well, let's see what else he's been in. Uh, let me scroll down to the bottom because Bo Bridges has been in, I think, everything. Uh, but he started things off in 1948 with no minor <laughs> vices. Damn, Bo. Which is uh, fucking ridiculous. It's a long ass time ago. When you were, When were you even born? 41. Okay. So he was a, a child. Yes. Uh, I just want to say, too, he's still working in it. He has credit in 2023 for something called Alethia. So, like, he's... Oh, it's a podcast. Yeah. Podcast series. Homeboy was born during World War II, and he's still out there making Christmas movies. Thank you, Bo, is what I have to say about that. What else has he been in here, though? He's been in uh, a lot of stuff in the 60s. Oh, my God, the 70s. He was in a movie called Child's Play, which is not the one with Chucky from 1972. No. I'm still, I'm just scrolling, looking for something I recognize. <laughs> looking for the wizard. I already, I passed the wizard. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. 
He was in The Outer Limits, The Second Civil War. That wasn't a thing. He was in the movie Rocket Man, which oh, you I, love Rocket Man. I love that movie, and we are going to have to talk about it one day. Okay. Never seen it. Oh, man. He was in the 2006 Charlotte's Web, Brandon. Cool. He was in My Name is Earl for seven episodes. Yeah, he was like his dad, maybe. That's cool. He's been in a lot of Christmas movies recently. Our Italian Christmas Memories, A Christmas Mystery. Well, that's it, actually. But (laughs) (laughs) that's more than I've been in. So that's Mr. Bridges. Let's check out Carl next, played by Tony Goldwyn. He looks like somebody I recognize, but I don't know what from. This is just an Oppenheimer, Brandon. Okay, so he was in a massive fucking movie just this year. Yeah, you know what? I I recognize him. He's from Scandal. He plays the president, I believe. 124 episodes of Scandal? Sure. Yeah. I know him as the bad guy from Ghost. Oh, yeah, he is the bad guy in Ghost. (laughs) He started things off, Brandon. Friday the 13th, Part 6, Jason Lives from 1986. So that's pretty awesome. And yeah, just before Tales from the Crypt, he was the bad guy in Ghost. <laughs> That's cool. The The guy who directed this episode, uh, he directed, see, one of the Nightmare on Elm Streets, uh, The Dream Child. Oh, that's the one nobody likes. <laughs> that's the bad one? No, the bad one's the one that follows that up, but Dream Child's not great. Okay. He also directed Predator 2. Oh, dope. I love Predator 2. Yeah, Predator 2. Predator 2 cool. lost in New York, right? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> um, he was also in six episodes of The Hot Zone. So, yeah, he's got a pretty prolific career. Good yeah, job, Tony. Stuff. Next, we have Mitch, played by Tom Wright. Yeah, he's the guy who's doing a fake accent, yes. by the way. Yes, yes. During the prank, he thought it necessary to put on a wig and do a fake accent for some reason, like Carl would have recognized him if he didn't. I mean, like, as the chief of pathology, I feel You'd like you like, would. be like, hey, a second, but... is that Mitch? <laughs> hey, um, Mitch! I'm paralyzed, but is that Mitch? <laughs> um, yeah, he also brought in, uh, you know, weed and made them smoke it, which was just part of the prank for some reason. Mitch, you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> he was alive, He was back alive just long enough to be like, you're all fired. Oh, he should fire them all. Absolutely. So, Tom Wright here played... Uh, Played a lot of stuff. 190 credits. Started things off in 1976 with Tomcats. And he was in 21 Jump Street back in the 80s. What else? What else? Anything I recognize? Santa Barbara. Okay, I said that like I did, but I don't. I mean, he was in four episodes of Seinfeld. That's all you need to know. That's true. He was. Honestly, what you should do first when you're looking at these people is just control F Seinfeld and see how many episodes (laughs) they've been in. I mean... Most of these people in the 90s were in at least one episode of Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's in so many things, you guys. Uh, like a lot of things I don't recognize, but then also stuff I do, like The Rookie and The Magicians, Station 19. He is the hitchhiker in Creepshow 2. Um, I've seen Creepshow 2, but I've only really seen the blob part of that movie. Okay. You know which one I'm talking about? Yes. I'd have to look. I'd have to look at it. Anyway, I like him. Great actor. Next. I put Kelly in here. She's probably the main Why? character. Because <laughs> she's a Predator 2, okay? <laughs> she's a Predator 2 lost in New York, okay? Oh, so I know how she got her job. Yep. This is Kelly. She was like, hey, I was in Predator 2, remember? Remember me? I played a reporter. 
<laughs> I made such an impression on you that you had to give me a big juicy roll in your episode of Tales from the Crypt. Exactly. That's pretty much exactly what happened. She has not been in very much stuff, Brandon. I thought I was going to scroll for a while. But anyway, Kelly's played by Lucinda Weist. Just like how Patrick looked at the compass and was like, I thought you said Weist. (laughs) (laughs) She's been in 15 things, started it off, Predator 2, Lost in New York. And then she was in Tales from the Crypt. I'm still kind of blown away how, like, for such a nothing throwaway character, like, how? She had her own IMDb profile thing for it. Like, she had such a presence in the episode. She wasn't just some extra. She walked on and she was like, hey, listen here, buddy. <laughs> and then she's just gone. Maybe she got cut from the episode due to timing or something. Maybe there was other scenes where she was in it. I bet you that's probably There must have been a whole Kelly subplot because I bet you there it just was. doesn't add up. She was probably like... Where's Carl? You know, and then Bo Bridges. Yeah, she was, was like, trying to get to the it. bottom of it. It was a whole series where she's like following clues. <laughs> no, um, was she the same girl that was naked in the black and white part too, or probably not? No, okay. that was Tina Bachrath. Oh, Tina, Tina, gotcha. So we're not talking about her, Lucinda here. Like we said. Predator 2, Dreams Come True. She was in Kung Fu, The Legend Continues, and Murder, She Wrote, and Nightman, Brandon. And she finally uh, finished it off with Atlas Shrugged. Who is John Galt? Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Tell us, Lucinda. She's not going to do it. But that's the cast, Brandon. That is everybody. So let's take a look and see what's up next, okay? All right. Next up on the list here, Brandon, season three, episode five is called Top billing sounds exciting well let's see if it isn't actually exciting an unattractive and unlucky actor can't get a role because of his looks his agent and girlfriend leave him but he doesn't intend to give up he wants the role of hamlet uh okay that doesn't sound so much like an episode of tales from the crypt so much as an episode of real life (laughs) i mean who doesn't want to be hamlet right yeah like some ugly guy realizing you can't be an ugly and be a star. I'm going to make an assumption here. Um, and it is such a burn because the main character, I think, is John Lovitz. So Okay, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> so Sorry, John. I love you, but I get it. <laughs> this whole thing is just like an unattractive John Lovitz. <laughs> a piece of shit. <laughs> a disgusting pile of filth. <laughs> Poor John. <laughs> He's got a great voice, though. I love it. it. <laughs> uh, Brand, but that's next week. We'll have uh, top billing next week. Also, I think Rachel said she wanted to join us for the John Lovitz episode, so we may have a guest on next week. Okay. I think that's all I have, though, Brandon. I think I am done with Abracadaver. All and, right. Uh, yeah, I'll probably never think about it again. <laughs> Until we it was watch okay. It. Yeah, no, I, I, I liked it. I thought I quite liked the episode, so. It's fine. I think it's, I think it's pretty good, uh, pretty good horror stuff. But I'm done talking about it, Brandon. Okay, I just said that. So all right, I, I you. I've been up all night. I'm gonna get out of here, and uh, I'll talk to you next week, Brandon, for top billing with John Lovitz. Okay, sounds good. All right, bye everybody. Bye. I guess you'll just be hanging around.